Um, okay, so we talked about uh, we talked about steps one, two, and three. We talked about getting through the first uh, three uh, columns of this inventory. You know, for years, there's a part in the big book that says we have to tell someone all our life story. Um, but people kept assuring me we're not trying to do a uh, we're not trying to give someone our autobiography. Um, and what happened is, um, and this is a, uh, another fellowship, one of some of those people uh, felt it would be a really good idea to do a fifth step live in front of like a big audience like this and online. And I had this just reaction of fear, <laughs> so much fear. Um, and I, uh, I, I, I just, uh, I followed the God consciousness and I just said, you know, I realize you guys are all having your group consciousness and God's talking to you and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit this one out because I just, I just really feel like this is, you know, very harmful. I'm not gonna ask someone to do this in front of the entire planet, <laughs> you know, but that's just me. But what happened was a friend of mine and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, a mock fifth step would be so cool. You know, let, let's do that. Let's do a mock fifth step, you know, so we don't, we're, we're not, you know. So, and so what she did was she filled out the, the first three columns and then she did the rest of, she did the fourth step on her, uh, like the fourth column of if she was the example in the book, then she wrote out a fear inventory off of the examples in the book. And then she did a sexual harm stunt off the examples in the book. And then she and I got online and we did this mock fifth step. And you know what? She thought of things that I had never thought of before, and by the time we had gotten through the 12 questions off of, built off of these three examples, we had the whole story. And that, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's it. I get it. That's what they mean. When we look at it from all these different angles, then we have the whole story. Like, I don't know, in St. Louis, it's a really big deal if you go there, just so you know. Someone, if they want to get to know you, they're going to ask you, where did you go to high school? Right? That's one of the things they're going to say. Nowhere else on the planet does anyone do this, but if you go to St. Louis, be forewarned. They're going to be like, where do you go to high school? So an example of that be, I went to a little, town, a little school called Coriezo Academy, right? That's a detail. That's a, all of my life story. Totally irrelevant information for this thing, right? Isn't going to help me get connected to God. But that's an example of what we learned in an autobiography and what we're ignoring when we're doing this to get the whole story. So... Um, Referring to our list again, I'm on 67, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, which I did here, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Um, and so I, I keep going back to this math analogy, even though Chad is warning me for good reason that some people really hate math and I'm gonna turn you off. Um, it's because it's absolute, right? If I have a math, we talked about simple math equation, like one of the simple things is if I have, I could have, you know, $10 billion, and then if I multiply it by zero, I have zero. <laughs> and that's, that's how AA is a lot of times. You know, it's going to tell you that um, these things are poison, they're going to kill us. These things are poison, they're going to kill us. It's like multiplying a big, huge equation by zero. It's just the way it is. It's absolute, right? So I'm trying to disregard... Um, they're, they're stealing stealing my wife, stealing my job, gossiping about me, cheating on me, stealing my wife, micromanaging me, getting in the way of my money. I'm going to disregard it entirely. I'm going to multiply the whole thing by zero, right? Um, so I'm ignoring it. Uh, where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. 
What that is is actually a promise that if I do this, I'm going to grow in understanding, I'm going to grow in honesty, I'm going to grow in willingness. Um, and so at this point, there have been times, plenty of times, that I start an inventory, and if someone, if someone said, you need to just do an about face and go make an immediate amends to this people, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> right? That I'm not doing it. Don't have it. Don't have the willingness yet. But if I take the time to look at the second column and the third column, and I try to disregard them, and I'm going to say this prayer then I'm gonna grow in willingness in order to make that amends, right? Um, so, I skipped over it, but here's the prayer. Before I get started, I'm gonna look at Chad, I'm gonna look at Karen, I'm gonna look at my boyfriend, I'm gonna look at my boss, and I can do this wholesale bulk, or I can just do it at a time, but it's at the top of 67, and it's God, please help me to show these people the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. They, like me, are sick. How can I be useful to them? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And this is like the primer. You know, if you're going to paint something, sometimes you got to put a primer down, right, before you put your paint down. That's what I'm doing. Um, I once, when I very first tried to do this, they told me to read the book, and I don't know. I, it was back at that time, like, people said to do things, but you didn't really do things, right? So they told me to, you know, they told me to read the book, and I didn't read the book, and I tried to do an inventory without praying really super hard. You know, it's like trying to work out without breathing really hard. Um, and so I would recommend saying the prayer. So now I'm going to look at it. I'm just going to look at Chad, right? So what am I doing to Chad, right? That I would say, well, looking at this, I'd say, well, he's my coworker and maybe I've been late a few times, right? So I'm, you know, I'm not a good coworker. So I'm like, I'm just going to say like bad coworker. And, you know, he probably wouldn't have been able to talk my wife into having an affair if I wasn't cheating on my wife, if I wouldn't have left her alone, if I would have, you know, paid attention to her. So I cheated, right? And it might be that's all I can see with Chad, and that's okay, right? Um, and that's fine, whatever it's going to be. Karen's like, okay, I'm going to completely disregard Karen, what she did to me, gossiping on me, sending my, you know, sending my, my friend to that stupid treatment center. But what am I going to look at here? It's like, well, you know, I would look at Karen and I would be like, well, um, you know, I, I was a bad influence on her husband. Um, I tried to, you know, he told me he was going to be in trouble at home and have trouble with his wife, and I didn't care. I just wanted to go out and party. And so I encouraged him to go hang out with me instead of being with her. And truth be told, I'm gossiping about, you know, what an absolute witch of a wife she is. So that's not helping her either, right? And I, I think I threw up on their couch one time. <laughs> so that's, that's probably not helping. Right, and then I got my boyfriend. Well, unfortunately, I cheated, and uh, I'm irresponsible with money, and uh, I keep lying to him because I say that I'll come home, and then uh, I don't. And uh, let's see, you know, what else is going on? Um, that's good. That's enough, <laughs> right? You know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. the worst. But and my boss. Well, what's going on is I, I show up late. And uh, I'm hungover, and uh, I, I, 
you know, I produce more than everyone else, but he is right, I, I could be doing better, right? Maybe I'm producing 10 units to every two units or whatever, at least that's the way it seems to me. But if I would show up on time, well-rested, completely present, you know, I could probably have his job, <laughs> you know, but right now I'm, I'm underperforming. And that's enough. Um, perform, how does one write perform? I should warn you all I don't spell well. Um, and so, and there are a lot of times, I was, I was talking to other people about this, that um, there's a temptation to just really, really get into the details and really, really get into the why. Um, and uh, what I have found is that a lot of times, just the simple, you know, I'm a bad coworker, I cheated, I gossip, I'm irresponsible, I underperform, is enough. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, when I was learning to drive. Um, I had a, we had a company that, was, that taught me how to drive, and then my dad later on was a passenger. And when I was trying to check my blind spot, somehow there was a miscommunication. I just went back and I just looked, and I was like, really looking. Really, really looking, you know, and I'm driving forward, staring in the back of the window. My dad's having a heart attack. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm checking my blind spot. He said, Mary, you're looking for a car. It's going to be huge. There is no reason to stare back there for several seconds. You know, it's just a quick glance. And what I have found is that I'm, it's going to be huge, you know. In the beginning, the first time, it's going to be huge. It's going to be like a car in your blind spot, you know. Um, if, we, if we really do try to disregard the other person and pray, these, these big things are going to come out. Um, for years, I always looked at this, and I was like, why do they put fear alongside? Why, why do they keep putting fear alongside? Fear is what we look in the fourth column. And then I realized... Um, that it, it's just that they're saying this is what's going to be in the fourth column. You know, never, never underestimate the, the power of just asking a question. I just kept hoping, you know, sometimes someone will say something and it won't make any sense to you. And then like two, three years later, someone will say something else in fellowship and your brain will have that like, aha, I finally understand what that person meant, right? Well, I've been waiting a really long time and that hadn't happened. So finally um, I asked and my friend's like, oh, well, that's just a parenthesis. They're saying for, fear is gonna show up in, in, in the fourth column. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes so much sense. So, you know, what else is going on? You know. I'm, 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 I've got fear that, you know, Chad's going to win. He's going to get my significant other and my job. And uh, I've got fear that my friend's going to get sober and go away. And I've got fear that my boyfriend's going to, you know, take all of his love and money and, you know, sexual prowess and go. Um, and I have fear that I'm going to lose my job, right? And especially if I lose my job, I might lose the boyfriend as well, right? So it just, I've got fear. It's all connected. And so I want to read about fear Okay, I want to read about fear. I'm praying. Um, bottom of 67. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Chad Brown, Karen Jones, my boss, and my boyfriend. The short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives is the evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed as stealing. It seems to cause more problems, cause more trouble. Just want to point out, this is a book by drunks, for drunks, about how to avoid alcohol. Never says anything disparaging about alcohol. But fear is evil. Right? Fear is evil. And that's my real 
That's like public enemy number one, fear. Because I can't have a resentment without fear. Fear is what keeps it alive. Um, and I'll pick that up, don't worry about that. And so going through and I'm just gonna ignore all of this, because right now it's like, all right, that's all in the past. I've got all these bad actions. It's funny, examples of character defects didn't come up, but again, I prayed and that's how it was. Um, you know, um, I can go back and label those as selfish and dishonest here in a minute, um, but I've got my fear. And so I have seen a lot of very complicated fear inventories, and I think they have their role. I would never, ever try to disparage them. But I also think just a good old-fashioned answering the questions that's out in the book has tremendous value. And so I've got all these fears, and so I'm just going to put this aside. I'm going to get another piece of paper, and I've just got three questions. And so I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to say, you know, what are my fears? Right? Fear. I'm just afraid of being left uh, by a boyfriend. Um, I'm afraid of losing my job. Um, I'm afraid of uh, marrying my boyfriend, because then I might be stuck with him. I don't want him to leave, but I, I don't want him to stay. I don't, I don't want to commit, but I don't want him to go. You know, losing my job, um, you know, being stuck at my job and never moving forward. All right, what's, what's another good fear? Come on, what are we afraid of? There is no God. What's that? There is no God. There is no God. This is a crock. This is a sham. Right, that's my fear, right? It's a very, very difficult concept for me, all these fears. So I'm going to look at the questions when I get to the fear inventory. And it just says, um, uh, we reviewed our fears thoroughly, put them all on paper. We put, um, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So if they're resented to the connect resentment, that's fine. I can just rewrite it down. I'm doing this quick. Um, we asked ourselves why we had them. Why do I have this fear of being left by my boyfriend? Because he's got a side chick. And that's what he said. Um, and then losing my job. Boss said. Poor performance. Marry my boyfriend. He's a cheater. Yells a lot. Don't want to be stuck. And then stuck at my job. And doesn't pay well. Coworkers passing me up. This is a sham, um, feels like a cult. Am I the only one who's ever thought that? No. I was like, it seems like a cult. You guys hold hands and pray. And <laughs> you got a book you're all obsessed with. You know, <laughs> like, it seems like a cult, right? 
So then we go through, now we're just gonna, we've got one more question to ask ourselves. Um, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? This is a very, very difficult concept to me. I grew up in this family of, it's pretty, pretty standard stuff. You know, my parents pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. You know, it, um, I, I've got a brother who's just wildly successful. You know, they get up early in the morning, they stay up late, and they just work, 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 work. And, um, you know, uh, but all I really did when I inserted myself, wasn't it because Mary Reliance failed Mary? Isn't it because Mary's failing me? And I looked at this as like, well, yeah, I failed myself. If I wouldn't have cheated on my boyfriend and kept lying to him, he probably wouldn't have gotten a side chick and talked about trying to leave me, right? Yes, Mary failed me, losing my job. My boss said so, and I have poor performance. Yeah, if I showed up on time, fully brought in, you know, performing at a level that they expect, I probably wouldn't be in danger of losing my job. So yes, uh, marrying my boyfriend, yeah. Um, I can't commit, but I can't quit him. So clearly I'm the, I'm the problem here, right? So I'm definitely failing myself when it comes to this boyfriend stuck at this job. Yeah, it's ridiculous that they haven't promoted me. I, you know, I either need to step up my game or I need to move on. The problem here is me. I'm failing myself. I shouldn't have taken the job in the first place. They didn't even order, offer me enough money. Um, this is a sham. Uh, it feels like a cult. Well, yeah, I'm failing myself because I can't even keep myself sober. So I'm sitting here with these cult-like people, <laughs> hoping it all works out. <laughs> you know, Mary's definitely failing me. And that's where we get. And if you notice... Back when we started talking about this, it said the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And so I needed to be convinced before I could do this that I was failing me, that my way of life was not working. So we've done this whole elaborate thing all to get to the point where I noticed that, like, hey, this self-will thing is not even working out well for me. And then I'm ready to begin this way of life. Um, and like I said, there's, there's other ways to approach these questions. And I respect the people that say that. But I have found tremendous value in doing this. And it's fast, especially for the very first time. Um, and I would say even if you've been sober a long time and you've never done it this way, there's just um, there's, there's beauty in the simplicity you know, of how quickly we can have that we can have that, that change to begin to really see just how really simple this is. Okay, so now we've got a little bit of time. We're gonna talk about the sexual harms done. And there was some confusion when I first got sober. Um, I got passed around a lot. Um, they said I was sassy. Um, and I, I really wasn't trying to be sassy. Um, I was sassy, but that was not my intention. I was trying to understand. And so one thing led to another, and there was some confusion. And when I showed up for my fifth step, I basically just had a list of ex-boyfriends, right? And I always make the joke, that's, that's like your credit score, right? Um, I mean, I, it was just this old idea that like, the more people I had slept with or done sexual things with, and it was like, if you didn't have intercourse, it wasn't quite as bad, but the more people you had, the like, less good you were, right? The more sexual partners I had had, that, that somehow made me less than. And it was just an old idea, something I just, I just 
it was an old idea I had, right? Someone who told me something it got kind of mixed up in my head, but I really wanted this to work. So I showed up with a list of ex-lovers, right? Um, and I just, and I, because I was like, I don't know, for some reason she just needs this. So I show up and I'm like, okay, well, this guy, you know, it was you know, just, just intercourse, but this guy, you know, this was oral sex. And blah, 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 you know, like, totally not information that we need, but that's what I showed up with. And um, at that time, she basically said, listen, we're not even going to worry about this because you're not going to date. You know, like, you're not dating anybody, which is not in the big book. <laughs> but nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And so I was just like, okay. And I also, I just, I had never been alone at that point. Like, from, like, age 12, there was always somebody up until age 32. And trust me, I was pregnant and unemployed, so there weren't a lot of men breaking down my door. But, um, and so, and, it, and I would, just because I wasn't allowed to date, I, I literally, I would... If I was attracted to a man at all, I would just run away from him, right? Because I just didn't trust myself not to somehow, something was going to happen. Um, there was one man that I was not particularly attracted to, and uh, I would just talk to him for hours, and he's the one that we wound up uh, starting our home group together. So, you know, God, God, God works, and every, works, you know, everything happens in this world uh, the way it's supposed to. When it came time to date, about two and a half years later, I was working with a different sponsor, and she's, I said, is it okay? Can I start dating? And she's like, I don't really care what you do dating-wise, but we need to look at your sound and sane sex ideal uh, to make sure that you're living up to your ideals. And she was like, let's get it out. Let's look at it. And I swear it was like, ooh, uh, like the dog ate my homework. I, I, I didn't have this, this paperwork done. And she's like, all right, okay. And so we, we got it out, and I started to do it. And uh, this is a really cool thing. Uh, so we're going to look at what it says. We're going to look at the, the, the sound and sane sex ideal. And it, I will tell you, this is the part of the book where the book promises me that issues with sex are the one outside issue that we all have. And any time I have let a protege talk me out of doing this, it has always come back to bite me in the butt. Like, they'll say something like, well, I mean, kissing's not cheating. And I'm like, really? Because most people kind of consider that to be cheating. You know what I mean? Or like, someone will say like, well, I mean, it's okay. I'm single. They're married. So they're harming someone. But I'm, I'm good. I'm like, all right, let's get that book out. You know what I mean? I was like, because most people agree that's probably a dangerous thing for us to do. You know what I mean? That could, uh, you know, that could endanger our sobriety. So that's just my plug here. Someone tries to talk you out of skipping this you're not doing them any favors by like co-signing that. So we're going to look at page 68. And I'm skipping over the part about the fear prayer. And I'm okay with that. We're going to keep going. Um, but the fear prayer is an awesome prayer. Um, so now about sex, page 68. Um, many of us need an overhauling there. There's a, a woman that I, I study with that she always says, you know, she comes from a mechanic family. Um, if you need a tune-up, they're just making little adjustments to your... Uh, engine. But if you need an overhaul, they have to actually take the whole thing out <laughs> and they have to spin it around and look at a 360 view and over or overhaul your engine. So many of us need overhaul there. Above all, we try to be sensible in this question. It is easy to get way off track. I'm at the bottom of 68. We find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature. It is a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, 
who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They do not think we have enough of it or it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow a man no flavor for his fare. So you just, we're all having bland food, okay? We're all having missionary style sex <laughs> if we want to create a baby and that's it. Only under those circumstances. Um, and, or the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet and the rest is we're just all about lust all the time. There's no commitment. There are no rules. You know, there's the, everybody's got an open relationship as we can even invite animals into this. As long as everyone's consenting, we're good, right? Just two extremes. We want to stay out of this controversy. I'm not even going to weigh on any of that, right? Because <laughs> that's not what I'm doing here. I don't care. Um, and so, um, uh, we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's conduct. And I, this, I love this exercise because it, nobody needs to live up to my sound and sane sex ideals. When I'm helping someone get through this work, I need to know what their sound and sane sex ideals are gonna be. Because later on when we're living in 10, 11, and 12, when they come and tell me that they did something, I'm not gonna say, I'm telling you that you need to behave a certain way. I'm telling them, you told me that you feel like this is the way that you need to live. And what I know is this book promises me that you are endangering your sobriety, therefore your life, if you don't clean this up and grow towards something else. And it works so much better than trying to tell people how they should act, <laughs> right? So um, let me go here. So um, we all have sex problems, right? Um, we'd hardly be human if we didn't. Uh, what can we do about them? We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Now, I've seen forums where people put the names first. I found this beautiful thing uh, when I put the action first. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to write things down. But it's basically like, where was I selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Okay, for me, um, with my relationships, uh, when I'm drunk, I'm not faithful, right? So I'm unfaithful. I lie to them, I lie about them, right? And I treat their money like my own. That's just me. Like I said, I'm not writing it down. I'm just putting it out there, right? And looking at all of that, um, that's just what it was. The second question is, whom did we hurt? It was amazing. Wherever I went, I took Mary with me. So it was basically like everyone. That big list I had of all previous boyfriends and previous lovers, now it becomes useful. And so I could, for some of them, I could just put... Everyone, everyone, everyone. One of them I had that I had cheated. And what I began to see, it was like, it was a grenade, okay? So it was this one act, I was unfaithful. And in that one act, I hurt my boyfriend. I hurt the person that I was unfaithful with. I hurt his girlfriend. I hurt my friend because it happened at her house and it put her in a really awkward position. And I hurt another friend because she was actually too drunk to drive and I wasn't paying attention to her and she got into a car and she drove off because I was so busy doing what I needed to do or what I thought I wanted to do. Um, I neglected her, right? It was like a grenade. And so I'm a big fan of answer the questions first and look at the people afterwards. Much more efficient. It saves time. Because like I said, some of them, it's going to be everyone. And other ones you're going to see in just one single act. I hurt five people, right? Um, so then whom did we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Um, for me, the answer is always yes. But sometimes what it does is when I answer that, it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot about this other thing I did. And I'm going to put it back over here on the first column. Again, I'm doing this pretty efficiently. Where were we at fault? 
I can, I can actually name the fault, but a lot of times what I saw is like, I already answered that. It's over here on this column. This is where I was at fault. I can put a label on it if you want. Cheating is dishonest. Cheating is selfish, right? Using someone else's money as my own is selfish. Lying is dishonest. Lying is selfish, right? But the real big thing is like, where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? Oh my gosh, have you guys ever heard anyone say, do the opposite of what your alcoholic mind tells you to do? I hate that. Because I'm like, dude, if I could do the opposite of what my alcoholic mind tells me to do, I would have no need to come here and do all this. I never understood why they said that. And I would have friends that they would do things like, well, I want an orange juice, but I'm doing the opposite of my alcoholic mind, so I'm drinking some coffee. I was like, you're driving me insane. One person was like, well, I was with a friend, and he wanted to go to a meeting, and I didn't want to go to a meeting, but we both need to do the opposite of our alcoholic mind, so we flipped a coin. And I was like, you guys are insane, right? It used to drive me nuts. Anytime anyone would say that, I remember one time, there's this guy, I love him to death, but he'd always say that, and I was like, how much trouble am I going to get into the group conscious if I throw this book at his head? You know what I mean? It just used to drive me nuts. But one day I was doing this, and it hit me. It's not entirely crazy, because <laughs> what I should have done instead was at the very least of whatever I did over here in the first column, right? If I cheated, what should I do? I should be faithful, or I should tell someone I'm not built for monogamy, right? I, what, you know, what should I do? Should I use someone else's money like my own? No, I need to be self-supporting through my own contribution. That's the opposite of that. Um, should, I, uh, should I lie to people? No, I need to tell the truth. Right? It, the, the growing point was the opposite of what my alcoholic mind told me to do. So I, I do understand that now, put into a certain context, I understand it. Now here's my plug. It tells me that I'm going to treat sex like I would any other problem. So that means any problem I have, I can do this inventory on it, and what I'm going to do is God's going to reveal to me my sound and sane ideals, and I'll know what I'm growing towards. I have done this with my job, you know, how to be my sound and sane ideals for being an employee. I have done this with my child, my sound and sane ideals for being a parent. Um, you know, I think I mentioned last night I have some outside issues, of eating disorder. They're so fun. I, you know, I have done um, sound and sane ideal with my eating, right? Um, how should I be, you know, how can I be honest in my eating? How can I be selfless in my eating? How can I be considerate in my eating? And what I found is that when I try to focus on carbs and proteins and daily steps, I'm running around in self-will and I'm chasing my tail, I'm chasing my tail, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. When I started focusing on eating in a useful manner, eating in an honest manner, eating in a considerate manner, then I'm letting God run the show, and the carbs and the proteins and the steps and all of that just take care of themselves. Um, and so I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of this. Um, we're going to review the prayers. Another thing that Cliff Bishop taught me was that back, you know, in the 1930s that sex was a taboo. They weren't talking about it, so he's like, they knew we were going to have to have a lot of prayers. And since these, I mean, sex is an issue for all of us. We joke about it. It's uncomfortable, but it is. It's just an issue. But it also tells me that I can use these same prayers for any problem I have in my life. So they're incredibly useful. So I'm just going to review them. Um, it says on page 69, we ask God to mold our ideals and to help us live up to them. And that's the prayer I'm going to use while I'm filling this paperwork out. Again, I'm looking at a, a board. Um, it says, in meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. Um, 
prior to coming into contact with big book-centered recovery, I just always had people tell me, you just don't make amends to ex-boyfriends. You just don't, you know, you just don't. Um, and when I got through the work, they showed me here, it says, we asked God what we should do about each specific matter. There were absolutely men out there that the best thing to do was just to let them live a merry free life, right? Absolutely. But I had some pretty egregious harms done to ex-boyfriends, and I needed to go clean it up. And I, uh, the big books, you know, Chad's going to talk about, there's a process. You get practical advice. You get permission from anyone it was going to affect. Um, and then if all signs port towards go, you go. But it says it right here. So if anyone tells you we don't make amends for sexual harms done, they're not reading the same book that I'm reading, right? Chad's going to get into more details, but it was like we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. If I don't want the right answer, because it says the right answer will come if we want it. And this is going to tire. And if I don't want it, that means there's something I'm afraid of. And that prayer that I didn't talk about back on page 68, I'm going to lift that up now. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he have us be. Right? So if there's a specific question, if I'm, I'm praying about what I should do something specifically, and in my heart of hearts, I feel like I just, I'm afraid of what the answer is going to be. Not sure I want the right answer. I can just, you know, give God permission to remove my fear and direct my attention to what he'd have me be. Um, there's a summary prayer for the sex. Um, it's on page 70. It says, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, and for sanity and strength to do the right thing. It says, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. Um, there are people that will get into debates with me about the sexual harms done inventory. They really feel like it's limited to cheating or it's limited to assault and stuff like, I used to treat my boyfriend's money like my own or I used to lie to them. That doesn't go on a sexual harms done inventory. Um, I don't really tell people how to do their inventory. I just do, I just do mine and tell people what I did. Um, but it also says I treat sex like I would any other problem. And so if I want to do a relationship harms inventory, that's fine too. Um, where was I going with this? Oh. It tells me if sex is very troublesome, I throw myself the harder into helping others. It tells me I treat sex like any other problem. So from this day forward, if you are having a problem, throw yourself the harder into helping others, right? And this works, this is, this is the best cure for a broken heart, right? There are people be out there, if someone leaves you and you're depressed, they'll say, oh, you need a rebound. No, you need a newcomer to help, <laughs> right? Throw yourself the harder into helping others. If someone breaks your heart, you call me and I will tell you I'm so sorry. <laughs> I will listen to you cry for at least eight minutes. And then I will tell you to go out there and find a newcomer. Um, you know, you, if, you, if, if, if you get fired from your job and you've got all kinds of remorse about what you should have done better, go find a newcomer to help. If you lose your house, if your kid gets sent to jail, if you've got some weird bug or, you know, infestation, call the exterminator, and then go find someone to help. I was uh, telling everyone, and I'm going to give some cards here in a minute that are going to back this up. And I think this is a, we're, we're just keep praying. 
the, the man, Cliff Bishop, which part of me was like, maybe I'm just channeling Cliff today. I remember uh, he, it was, he sponsored uh, my sponsor, and then for a while he sponsored me, and then I was working with another woman. He sponsored her. Just all, all roads led to Cliff, and uh, he was in his 90s, and a lot of times people would be busy you know, trying to be self-supporting through their own contribution, so I'd have to call him during the day to do the 10-step. And I swear to you, anything I told that man... I would be like, ex-boyfriends taking the baby on dates, you know, whatever, you know, like this, whatever I found to be was going on acceptable. And he would just say, um, read 84 through 103 and go do what it says. <laughs> like, you know, like, so if something was, whatever was very troublesome, he would tell me to, to read the instructions 84 through 103 and go do what it says. I told, I told everyone, I was like, listen, one day my house is going to be on fire and I'm going to call Cliff and he's going to tell me to go read 84 through 103 and do what it says. Um, but I have found it to be um, absolutely true. And I'm going to pray here. Uh, we started late, so I think I'm just going to end late so we can start a little bit early, and perhaps that'll give Chad a little more time. Uh, I was excited to meet him uh, just because uh, so many people I respect are respect him, but I will just tell you the... the um, the complete lack of trying to run the show and just the supportiveness of getting me to talk is um, just, um, and it, it's, it's super supportive and it's, it's super humbling. And I, I know we don't have any rock stars in AA, but be treated like that by a, an unofficial rock star in AA is uh, just wonderful. Thank you very much.